0: Every single human being around you, whether your dad, your mom, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister, your cousin, anybody, is either an incredible example of how to be spending your life and time or a huge warning of how not to be.
1: Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Tom Martin from Tom Martin Media. Hey, Tom.
2: Hey, Jared. It's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, got a great guest, so I'm excited.
1: Absolutely. We're fortunate today to speak with Jarek Robbins. Jarek is a performance coach, popular speaker, trainer, and lifestyle entrepreneur. He has made a name for himself working with clients throughout the world to help them achieve maximum results in accelerated time. He's also very committed to making a difference in the world, whether that means spending three months in Uganda, working with villagers, or helping to build a school in China. Jarek's mission is to assist people in the process of rapidly achieving their goals so they are able to live the life of their dreams and eventually pay it forward and help those that they care about the most to do the same. Jarek, Tom and I are ready to learn it, live it, and give it. Welcome to the show. All
0: right. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Awesome. So, Jarek, the first question i like to ask everybody that's on the show is what is the best concert that you have ever been to?
0: To be honest, I've been to only a few concerts, but I would say my favorite wasn't technically it was a concert, it was more of a show, and it was Garth Brooks in Las Vegas. Interesting. And I was never really a country fan. I'd listen to a song here or there every now and then, and I went and saw his show, and his life story, and what he represents, and what he's been able to do, and the values he upholds as a man really spoke to me, and it was touching, it was amazing. But great music, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that says a lot because I know you've been to a lot of performances and presentations. So to say, Garth Brooks, that speaks highly of that. Let's go into blank versus blank. I'm going to give you two options. And if you just pick one and maybe a short reason why. Actually, I'll have Tom do this one.
2: Okay, great. So, uh, Jarek, I know you're passionate about traveling, traveling the world and have many adventures along the way. How about which of these two do you most turned you on? Ziplining in Costa Rica or surfing at Playa Langosta? I would say probably zip landing in Costa Rica. Okay.
1: Yeah, seeing some of your pictures on Instagram, that looked like that was a lot of fun.
0: It's fun. We do it once a year now, so annually we go down there, and it never gets old. I mean, uh-huh. when you fly 20, 30 miles an hour past something hanging around in a tree, whether it's a monkey or a bird that flies out <laughs> or something, it's like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> it's pretty cool.
1: I'm sorry to hear that. Once a year. (laughs) Let's do finish this sentence. The best way to spend happy hour is... Oh, recently,
0: it's got to be at the gym for me. I've gotten a small addiction to light bodybuilding. I'm not looking to be one of those puffy musclehead guys, but I'm certainly, I got to the point in life where I looked at one of those pictures in a magazine. I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to look like that. What better time than now? And so I tracked down a a trainer here in Florida who's phenomenal and he's worked together. He has me eating eight times a freaking day right now and really, truly watching every single thing that goes in and out of my body. And it's, it's amazing what we've been able do. In just about a month, I'm starting to see the form show up all over the body, which has been amazing. So have my happy hours at the gym as of
1: right now.
2: All right, Tom. Okay, great. So let's let's get into questions. Those are all uh, great answers and frames our experience here. So Jarek, I know that you literally grew up in the personal empowerment field and that you have a number of really inspiring family members who have influenced you in uh, the lessons that you share with everybody in your workshops and coaching and so on. Can you tell us about some of those family members and what you've learned from them?
0: Sure. I mean, I've got a laundry list of all the people that inspire me within my family. And to be honest, I always tell people, people ask all the time, what's it like growing up where you grew up and going to seminars and seeing your dad and seeing your parents and seeing what everyone's done in your family in different, unique ways? And I always say, as I've grown up, I've seen the fact that there are some differences, but there's so many similarities. And if we all took time to look within our own families, there's always someone who's inspiring. There's always someone who's challenged. There's always someone who's kind of just getting by. And all those exist within my family. And my belief was looking around when I was young and something I've kind of grown to really value the older I get is every single human being around you, whether your dad, your mom, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister, your cousin, anybody is either an incredible example of how to be spending your life and time or a huge warning of how not to be? And so a couple examples in my life that really stood out that were examples to me are, number one, my grandma and my grandpa. On my mom's side, when they got together, they just got married. They didn't have enough money for their own apartment, so they bartered and traded. And he was the maintenance man. She was the cleaning lady at a local motel in order to have their first place to live as a married couple. And he worked three, four, five jobs to put food on the table and make sure the kids were always dressed. And my mom had four siblings, so there was five kids all together. And worked and worked and worked. Eventually, grandma started working when the kids got old enough. And even now, today, in her seventies, she still cold calls three days a week and makes over, over a quarter million dollars a year in take-home income. It's amazing. <laughs> so to okay. see someone like that, it's like. <laughs> and I always teach people I said, if you're not cold calling at least three days a week, my grandma is kicking your.
1: <laughs> of that.
0: But then on the flip side, there was dad who started out homeless and due to family argument, he landed up living in his car and went to a little tiny apartment and hustled his face off and learned some tools that really helped him make a valuable difference in people's lives. And he really was on a mission to serve the world and still is. And he was able to take that living in the back of the car experience to the year I was born going from $38,000 a year to over a million dollars a year in income because he found leverage, which is having a son on the way that he wanted to be able to give the world to. To. and mm-hmm. from that point nowadays he's done amazing things I think he just bought another couple companies and they do somewhere between all the companies they do somewhere around five billion a year in revenue altogether wow. and to go from living in your car to that in one lifetime is quite the accomplishment for anybody Now on the <laughs> other side there's some warnings and not all warnings stay warnings their entire journey but I remember there were moments that my uncle went through a very difficult time in his life and he was struggling with addiction living in his car, And I remember my mom and I used to have to go take him lunch in front of Circle K. And we would like drive up, buy some lunch, roll down the window, like hand it through the window over to him and we would drive away and I'd be like, hey, why is he still living in the car? (laughs) And mom would say, you know, he's just going through a tough time. We love him and we want to help him, but we need him to kind of take control of his life and not let it control him anymore. And I remember seeing the contrast and seeing the difference and always looking for like, wow, they're all good people. They all have good intentions and great hearts and they all want the best out of life. But how did this happen? How did this person land here and that person land there? And I started to notice the difference, which kind of gave me the insights and tools along with all the coaching and insights from the books and tapes and seminars. I was always around to kind of strategize how to put my life together. (laughs)
1: Great. Jarek, world travel is a huge passion of yours. And I understand that you and your fiance, Amanda, lead groups of adventure travelers on expeditions all around the world. Are there any key observations that you've made as a result of your travels that might help us with our own lives?
0: Absolutely. Travel changed my life. And when I was young, I had the privilege of traveling with my dad, and when we traveled, it was very interesting because I didn't realize until I got a little older, when people get to travel, which is a privilege, you know, a very small percentage of people in America, very small percentage of people around the world even have a passport to be able to go to another country. Now, to be able to travel is a privilege, but the way we traveled when I was with dad, I didn't realize how much of a privilege it was. We always had people helping us. I remember we took a family trip as a kid, and there was me, my stepmom, and my three step-siblings at the time. And I think we had like 20 pieces of luggage with us because we always joke with dad, his shoes take up most of it. But (laughs) we had all this extra luggage with us. And I didn't notice that we had a lot of luxury. I took a trip when I was in university called Semester at Sea, where as a group of students, we boarded a ship and did a 110-day lap around the world, where we literally circumnavigated the world in, on a ship. And we stopped in India and Thailand and Vietnam and China and Japan and Africa in Tanzania, South Africa, Venezuela, Brazil, all these different places. And we got about 7 to 10 days in each country to just experience life as it is there. And when I got to places that I started to see the statistics I had heard about on television and heard about from friends and read about online and in books, but I got to experience those statistics in real life, my whole universe changed. And if I were to bring anything back from all the travels I've taken is most people – don't realize not the privileges they have in the way life is right now, especially if you're listening to something online called a podcast, <laughs> which is amazing because they can get to village in Africa now via podcast. But if you're listening to something and you have a computer or a smartphone or a tablet or whatever you're listening on, and you have electricity and you have running water and you have a toilet, you don't realize how much more you have access to in just those simple things than the majority of people on this planet. I always went to places in India or places in Africa or places in Central South America and looked around at people living in tin shacks with dirt floors, where when it rains six months out of the year, they live in mud as a family. I looked at those places and said, wow, how are these such small little places on earth struggling so much? And the more you go around the world, the more you realize the majority of the world lives like that. And there's very select and few places that live like the US, Australia, Canada, the UK, parts of Europe. It's really amazing, and my biggest hope for people is they take time to get out of some of these countries that I mentioned, Australia, U.S., U.K., Canada, and go visit as much of the world as you can possibly see, and the more you get out there, the more you'll feel compelled, like many of the people who go with us on these trips, to find a way to surf.
2: Jarek, I know you've talked about there are certain principles when you see people succeeding and really achieving their dreams, and I know when you work on uh, coaching people and speaking, you, you often talk about rapid results, but are there any obstacles or sort of blocks that you see people sort of put in their own way, and maybe if we're aware of them, we can uh, avoid them a little bit better?
0: Sure, there's tons. There's I always say there's three opponents in life. Whenever you're going after something big and exciting that you're passionate about, you're going to face external opponents, people you don't know or people who are acquaintances or a business partner, just a random friend, and they're going to kind of ridicule you and tease you about what you're doing and say it's ridiculous. And they're not going to believe in it because they're just that person for you. The further down the road you get and the closer you get to it, eventually you're going to meet the internal opponents, family members, people you've known a long time, your wife or husband, your kids, someone who knows how to push your buttons. And they're going to kind of be able to get under your skin and push that button and say, oh, you're going to do that? Really? Like you said, last five times. And it's like, oh, those ones hurt it's like ouch and it kind of gives you some doubt pushes you back a little eventually you're going to face the hardest opponent which is usually when you're millimeters away from getting what you really want and that's the internal opponent which is yourself or the intimate opponent that final one and that intimate person when it's you it's that day you wake up and you feel like you've been doing it forever and you look in the mirror and you're tired and you're sore and you're hurting and you start to doubt yourself and you're like you know is it even worth it what am i doing What the f- is going on like i i'm lost And that final opponent is the person that you've got to overcome. And the moment you do and you're like, you know what? I figured out why I want this. I know what I'm after. And I remembered why in the first place. I'm going for it. The moment you lock back in, it's amazing what you'll be able to produce. Because you've gone through the external. You've gone through the intimate. You've gone through the internal. You're ready to roll.
1: Mm, That's great. Derek, you're building a very successful career right now and you're fortunate to speak all over the world. What are some of the lessons or some of the useful lessons that you've learned along the way or some mistakes perhaps that the listeners might benefit from hearing about?
0: Sure. If you're a speaker and you're traveling the world, do your homework on where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Know who you're talking to. In any business, if the biggest mistake I see people make, young people especially, but older people as well, is they are so busy getting through their day, getting through their work, getting through their stuff, they don't take time to study, do their homework, and research what they're going into. Whether it's researching the people you're about to talk to, research the clients you're about to work with, research the person you're buying a home from, research anything. Like They don't take time to study and research and get to know what does this person value? What do they believe about life? What's important to them? How could I connect with them? What are the main points that make this person tick? And the more you can get interested in the other people you're dealing with, the more compassion you'll have for them, the more empathy you'll be able to feel what they're feeling and connect with them. But also, the more effective you're going to be in your relationship with them, regardless if that speaking to them, coaching, consulting, whether that's buying or selling something from them, you'll have a connection that doesn't exist if you don't take the time to do that kind of homework and connect with them at that level.
2: That's great. Yeah. Jarek, I know one of the things that we've spoken about in the past is sort of that balance between it's natural for many of us to have sort of materialistic desires, a great car, a great place to live, things like that, but we all feel sort of an urge to help others. Do you think that's something that we can or should put off until we're really you know, successful and on a roll, or should it all be sort of intertwined?
0: I've gone through my own wave of experiences and beliefs about this. I remember when I was a kid, my idol, and this is probably going to laugh at this, but when I was a kid, MTV music videos was really cool when I was growing up. I used to play them every morning when i get dressed for school. And my hero was Biggie Smalls. And my favorite music (laughs) video was Hypnotize. And so I remember seeing Hummers and Mercedes and yachts and girls and I was like, yeah, that's where I'm a grow up to be. And God bless my little mind at that stage of life. But I remember looking back at myself thinking, like, if I had a dream job, what would it be? And I'm like, maybe the head of, like, an Italian family. And then (laughs) – And it was funny, but I remember seeing all those things and being like, that's what I'm going to do in life. And it was so fascinating being driven. And and my heart was always with people. I I don't remember this, but my mom told me this story where I was, I think, five, six, seven years old. I helped clean the house. So they gave me $5 to go to to the toy store with. And on my way to the toy store, I saw a homeless man. I looked at the $5, looked at the homeless man, looked at the $5, walked over and gave him my $5. And my mom was like, you know that that was your toy money, right? And you're not going to be able to get a toy now. And I like shrugged. I was like, "It's okay. He needs it Mm. more than me. Let's go." She started crying, gave me another five dollars. I was like, "See." But mm. that mentality, such an interesting wave of so, such a giving spirit as a kid to wanting to have all this stuff because of what I saw on TV and what I got connected to, to I hit a point where traveling around the world, I went and lived three months in a village in Uganda with no running water, no electricity, no toilets. And I remember coming back when I came back and going to the store to buy a pair of shoes and seeing the price of a normal pair of shoes at a department store. And just shaking my head and being like, what a waste. And I was so pissed off at people who were spending money on this when I saw people dying because they couldn't afford $2 US a day to get malaria pills in Uganda. And I was pissed off, frustrated with people, and at the same time so grateful to be in a place where I'd flip the light switch on and off. And I had to go through my own evolution where I realized there's beauty in both. And it took me a while because when I came back, I was really frustrated with how much waste was going on around the world. And it's a similar experience people have when they do spend a consistent amount of time in overseas and other developing nations. And I came back and was so frustrated and so heartbroken and hurt that people would throw away so much money on stuff that really doesn't matter. And eventually, I hit a point where I said, you know, I've got to find a balance if I'm going to choose to live here in the U.S. as my base. Otherwise, I'm going to have a real tough time getting along with anybody. And I started to find my balance that says, you know – How can I figure out how to take what I have right now, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, and how can I find a way to share this with the world in my own unique way? Whether that's saying, hey, I don't have the money to do it, but I'm going to give X amount of time per month to a a homeless shelter, a food uh, distribution center, a elderly care center, a prison. Like I'm going to find something I can do in my town for a few hours a month that's that's worth X amount to me, and I'm going to deliver that to the community or to my church or to some Thing. Or, hey, I make enough money to cover my own bills. I make enough money. I have a little left. I'm going to save X percent. And I'm going to give X away. Or if you're someone who's in total abundance, being like, hey, I'm going to set up automated passive streams of income through other investments. I have mine to take care of my family, and I'm going to do the rule of three. Every two I set up for myself, the third one goes to charity, meaning I'll get an investment property, I'll take that money, and it immediately goes back to charity, and I get excited about how much money I can give away every month based on passive streams of income I've generated through my own knowledge and expertise in this area. So there's multiple ways to do it, but my thought is start now. Mm. Get creative. If it's your time, if it's your money, if you're at a high level in business and life, use your investments and allow your investments to do it but find a way to get started as soon as possible and go visit the people and the places and the projects you're helping fund and be a part of that will open your heart in a way you can't even imagine
1: that's great Jerk, you have a lot of skills, and one of them is social media. So you've got an active presence on Facebook and your regular video series and lessons on YouTube. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners on ways they can improve their social media presence?
0: I'm always, always, always learning (laughs) as far as social media. I wouldn't claim to be an expert whatsoever. I'm a student. And what I do is I look for what's working. I look for what's getting out there. I'm always slightly frustrated when I get feedback on our videos. It's like, man, you need to market these better. People need to hear this stuff instead of these silly prank videos or these other ones. And I see Jenna Marbles and these other young people who have like 50 million views. And mine get a couple thousand every now and then. And I always, you know, face the palm. I'm like, come on, people want to learn something. As far as social media, the biggest thing I've learned, and I learned it from Gary Vaynerchuk, which is care. Talk to people, Mm -hmm. communicate, care, connect with them answer when people write to you. Care who they are. I remember I post and care about everybody, not just the people you like. It's easy to care about the people who write nice stuff to you. Care about the people who write feedback you didn't expect and you don't necessarily like. The feedback that gets under your skin, care about them just as much, if not more, than the people who are writing nice stuff to you. And I'll give you a direct experience that was really interesting. I put a quote of my dad's up on my Facebook, and this guy wrote back and blasted him. Just said, he's this, he's a that, I don't care about him. Like He just went on for a whole... Paragraph about how this guy is total, doesn't believe in him, thinks he's crap, blah, blah, blah. And what happened was people obviously know he's I'm related to him. And so a bunch of people on my Facebook page started blasting this poor guy who just wrote his yeah. opinion. And I jumped on there, I saw what was going on, I saw all these freaking comments, and it was a big interesting piece. And instead of blasting this guy or feeling offended or feeling hurt or feeling frustrated, I got curious. And I was like, you know, who is this guy and what has he been through? And why would he think this? And what caused it? And I just reached out to him. I'm like, listen, here's myself a number text me if you want to chat offline if you don't let's talk here and here's what i'm really curious about what's up that's causing this and i started talking to him and caring about him and through took about two hours of conversation back and forth i think i was working and then golfing and then at the grocery store and i just kept going back and forth with him via my phone and what ended up happening was at the very end, he sent me a private message. And the private message simply said, listen, I see all these people talk about personal development, giving back, helping others, caring about others. And the moment you write one negative thing, they go off the deep end and blast you so much for their practice of personal development and inner peace. It's all bullshit. And he said, I just want to be honest with you. Partially, it was my feeling and opinion. I apologize. I didn't know it was your dad. And he says, but you really represent what you He said, I'm really impressed that I wrote something that was obviously hurtful and mean, and you didn't react. You responded, you connected, you cared, you took time to get to know me. And he says, you know, you've got a friend for life on here. And as much as I don't know you, I feel like I do know you. And out of integrity, I'm going to stick with you and see what I can do to help you get to the world because you got it.
2: Great story. One of the things I love about your approach is that curiosity and like you said, the genuine caring about other people. I know we don't have that much time left, but one of the stories that I always enjoy hearing from you is about your time in Uganda and uh, that story about the path. Can you tell us about that one?
0: Absolutely. To summarize the story as quickly as possible, I remember growing up watching my dad and he really has done some phenomenal things. And I always compared myself growing up to what he had done. And I remember by 25, 26, 27 years old, he was helping so many people and he had produced millions of dollars of personal income. And I was scratching my head when I was getting towards my 20s being like, shoot, I feel like I'm behind. And I always was being hard on myself and pressuring myself and being so frustrated. And and I looked at him and I was like, well, what caused dad to do such amazing things on the world? And it was because he had this huge mission and huge purpose to inspire millions and touch the world. And so I always thought that's what a mission and purpose had to be about, and that's what made it worthwhile. I was living in Uganda. Every morning, I made it a point to wake up and watch the sunrise. And right outside of this little room they gave me in a broken-down old schoolhouse, I'd open up the windows and look outside, and every morning watch that sun come over the pineapple fields and the different trees there. And as it would rise, I remember about a hundred yards out from where I was, there was a, the front doorstep of a clinic. It wasn't a hospital; it was a clinic. And every single morning at sunrise, this little old man would kind of come out. You'd see him kind of look at the sunrise and just soak it in. He would take this long, thatch broom, and he would work his way down this skinny dirt road all the way to the main road and just sweep the leaves off the path. Turn around once he got to the road, sweep the leaves all the way back to the front step, and he never missed a day. Always at sunrise, always to the road and back, never missed. Seven days a week, he was always there, every single time. I remember I got so curious by day 30 or 35 or something – I went out there and I'm like, I got to know why this guy does it. Like, what's his meaning? What's his purpose? Why? What drives him? Poor fella. He probably didn't see me coming, but I went and found someone who could translate and I dragged her over and I was like, come on, ask him, like, why do you do what you do? And she asked him the question and he kind of shrugged and looked at me and said, uh, she translated and she said, well, he said, cause I'm supposed to. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm a guilty American in this sense of if you've ever traveled overseas with an American, if someone doesn't understand what they're saying, generally they think we just didn't speak loud. enough enough <laughs> so i'm guilty because mm. i turned to her and i'm like no why did he do what you do, do, do and she rolled her eyes and shook her head like really and, and she turned back and thought about it for a second and tried a new question and when she asked whatever question she asked i saw the look i was looking for in this man's eyes where his eyes lit up he threw his arms in the air he had a giant gleaming smile that came to his face and he smiled i'm like yeah 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 that that I shook the girl and she probably looked startled, but she said, okay, hold on. And she got him to say it. She just looked stunned when he said it. And she turned to me and said, he said, the reason I sweep the leaves is because I believe every human being on this planet, whether a small child about to enter this world, or a sick or elderly person about to leave this world deserves a clear path to do so. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting that man and feeling someone who had such purpose and meaning and such a powerful reason of why they do what they do every day, even though what they did was so simple, yet seeing the fulfillment and joy and purpose that that man had in his life, just sweeping leaves. Mm. And I remember when I experienced that, it changed my whole perspective on what life is all about. Instead of thinking I had to touch millions and make billions and reach everybody, it became how do I make the difference for the person standing in front of me right now? Mm -hmm. How do I make the difference for whatever I'm working on right now? And how do I give it my all so that I know that if I got done on this project, I walk out the door and got run over by a bus, that I gave everything in the moment I had.
1: Jarek, Tom and I really appreciate your time. What is the best place for the listeners to learn more about your upcoming book, live it, and stay connected with everything that you're doing online?
0: Um, the best place is my website, jarekrobbins.com. A little tricky, easy to spell. It's J-A-I-R-E-K and then R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com.
1: Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners?
0: My final thought is that learn it, live it, give it philosophy. Do what you can to learn everything it takes to turn your dream life into reality. Live it ferociously. Go out there, find a way to apply every single piece of knowledge you can get a hold of and find a way to inspire others to do the same by giving it and paying it forward, by sharing what you learn with others, by assisting them in their journey. And you'll be amazed what happens in your own life and business if you're willing to do that consistently.
1: Jarek, thank you so much. Wonderful.
0: Thanks, Jarek. Thanks, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. a trip when I was in university called Semester at Sea, where as a group of students we boarded a ship and did a hundred and ten day lap around the world where we literally circumnavigated the world in on a ship and we stopped in India and Thailand and Vietnam and China and Japan and Africa in Tanzania, South Africa, Venezuela, Brazil, all these different places. And we got about seven to ten days in each country to just experience life as it is there. And when I got to places that I started to see the statistics I had heard about on television and heard about from friends and read about online and in books, but I got to experience those statistics in real life, my whole universe changed.